Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Evangelist Adrian Sanford comes tonight. Let's preach with him. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight if you know he's worthy. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands? Why don't you lift your voice? Come on, if you're thankful to be in his house, if you're thankful to be in his presence, come on, it's a good time to just let your praise go right now. Come on, why don't you create an atmosphere for the Lord to move in? Amen. Amen. How many is thankful to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. How many is thankful to be in his presence? Amen. Why don't you shake your neighbor's hand and tell them it's good to see them in church on a Friday night? Amen. Now look at your other neighbor and tell them, since we're already here, let's have church for a little bit. Anybody come to have church tonight? I am convinced that there's a difference between going to church and having church. And um, I don't want to just go to church and say, I went to church. Uh, but I want to have a move of the Holy Ghost once I get into the presence of the Lord. And the good news is God is able to do anything in this house. Anything he done in that book and everything he's done since that book, he can do it in this house tonight. Amen. I believe that. Amen. There's no variableness with him, neither shadow of turning. If he's done it before, he'll do it tonight. Amen. I believe what his word says is still true. Amen. Such an honor to be here with you tonight. Give honor to uh, your leadership. Your bishop was able to meet him right before service. And uh, give him honor tonight and his family. And also your pastor, Brother McGee, and, and his family, his wife, and her absence tonight. Amen. I've been looking forward to being here these few series of services. And, um, you know, I'm just a country Mississippi boy who can't do anything without God's help. And uh, I didn't come to pull a rabbit out of the hat. I've just come to believe what God's Word says is true. And I believe if you put your faith with God's Word, anything can happen. And I believe something supernatural can happen in this house tonight. Amen. I'm not going to read a text tonight as we are usually accustomed to. Uh, but I wonder if we have any needs in the house. If you need the Lord to do something for you tonight. Not tomorrow night, not Sunday. But if you need the Lord to do something for you tonight, why don't you lift your hands one more time all over the house. And why don't you vocalize that need to the Lord right now. Come on, if you're here tonight and you don't have the Holy Ghost, God can fill you with His Spirit tonight. If you need a healing in your body, if you need prayers answered, if you need a financial miracle, why don't you allow the gift of faith to step in this room right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I feel something trying to stir in the house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. My title tonight is three very simple words. 
I want to preach to us tonight from the subject to stand amazed. To stand amazed. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The word marveled is found recorded some 21 times throughout the pages of the New Testament. It is translated from the Greek word thalmazdo, and it simply means to admire or to stand amazed. It is a word mostly used in Scripture as a crowd's response to what Jesus had just done. In fact, 15 out of the 21 times the word marveled is used, this is the case. We read of a time when the disciples find themselves in the midst of a storm only to hear Jesus speak, peace be still. And the Bible says that they marveled or they stood amazed when the winds and waves obeyed his command. Men marveled or they would stand amazed at how Jesus would exercise his power and authority by delivering those who were possessed with the devil and allowing the dumb to speak. Multitudes marveled when Jesus would extend his hand of mercy to a man by forgiving him of his sins and then proceeded to extend his other hand healing him of the crippling disease of palsy. Followers would marvel or they would stand amazed as they would watch Jesus as he cursed a fig tree that failed to produce fruit causing it to wither away instantly. The crowd along with the twelve disciples would marvel or they would stand amazed at how Jesus would go to Jacob's well and he would follow up that visitation by having uh, that conversation with that adulterous Samaritan woman. Uh, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come and after uh, a sound from heaven came like a rushing wind and after uh, cloven tongues like as a fire sat uh, upon those 120 believers uh, and after they began to speak in tongues, the Bible says uh, that the men of the city marveled uh, or they stood amazed as those spirit-filled believers Believers poured out into the street speaking in that heavenly language. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe the point has been emphatically made to say the least. The miracles performed by his hands and the words spoken from his mouth literally caused the crowds of his day to marvel. Multitudes were moved to the place where all they could do was just stand amazed at what they had just witnessed. And I'll tell us just as sure as men and multitudes marveled and stood in amazement at what they witnessed. We too sometimes are forced to marvel and stand amazed by what we experience when we get into the presence of that same God. I can tell this congregation tonight that I've been in those services throughout my life. Services that are eternally etched within the fabric of my memory. Services that I will never forget as long as I'm alive. The fact is probably everybody in this room you could point to a service right now. A time when God's power moved so greatly and the glory of God filled the house and the anointing was flowing so freely and all we were able to do was just marvel at what God was able to accomplish. The fact is we've been in those services when God turned it around 
and God healed the body and God answered the prayer and God filled the sinner with the Holy Ghost. The fact is we've all been in those services when God moved so greatly that all we could do was just stand amazed. We lacked the vocabulary. We couldn't put it into words but all we could do is tell people you should have been there because God moved in such a supernatural way and I've come to tell this church on the first night of revival it can be one of those services it can be a service that turns something around and somebody's changed I pray that before this service is over all we are able to do is just marvel at what God is able to accomplish I was in one of those services a couple of years ago that I will never forget. Uh, my family and I were in the state of Texas preparing uh, uh, to preach their youth camp. Uh, but that Sunday before youth camp began, that Monday evening, uh, we are preaching in a local assembly. Uh, and as far as we were concerned, church was over. Uh, the praise team had sung their songs. Uh, I had preached the sermon. The altar call was given. Uh, and the pastors given the closing announcements. Uh, when all of a sudden the piano player falls lifeless over the piano, knocks the piano in the floor, knocks the chair on top of her, and there's no response. They rush to this lady's side, and there's no pulse, and there's no heartbeat. I'm not saying, Brother McGee, that she died, but I do know I watched as she turned whiter than a ghost, and for 15 minutes there was no trace or impulse of life at all, but waiting for the paramedics to arrive, the church grabbed hands, and the church began to pray and we thought church was over but God stepped back in that house and where death was imminent that lady sat up off the floor and she's in perfect health today and I've come to tell somebody that the same God that done it in Texas is the same I'm telling somebody the same God that done it there can do it tonight. It doesn't matter what the need is. He's in the house and he's ready and he's able and he's willing. I believe on a Friday night, yes, the first service of revival, we don't have to wait until tomorrow night or Sunday to get warmed up. It can happen tonight. The miraculous and the supernatural can manifest in this house. I pray that before we dismiss and go home, the only thing we are able to do is just marvel and stand amazed at what God is able to do. So now we understand that those 15 times the word marveled is used, it is in conjunction with the crowd's response to what Jesus had just done. But there are two other times in your Bible when the word marveled is used, and I believe it is imperative that we look at those two moments tonight. As I step into the heart of the message, it is important to know that I haven't come to preach about those 15 times the crowd marveled at the works of Jesus, but I've come to magnify those other two occasions because the role is reversed and the tide turns because instead of humanity marveling at what Jesus does Jesus marvels at what humanity does 
The fact is it's easy to come to church and it's easy to marvel over what God has done and what God is doing. It's easy to stand amazed when God steps in out of nowhere. But I've come to enlighten us to the fact every person in this room has the ability to make God marvel. And we need to understand that before this service is over, every one of us will cause him to stand amazed in one facet or another. It's not just what he does that causes us to marvel, but it's what we do that causes him to marvel. Can I tell somebody you've got the ability and before this service is over, you will make the God of heaven stand amazed in one facet or another. So let's look at those two moments that the Bible says Jesus stood amazed. The first account is found in Mark chapter 6 because the Bible says Jesus has come into his own country of Nazareth and he's standing in the synagogue on the Sabbath and he begins to preach and teach. But the Bible says the people begin murmuring amongst themselves saying, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James? And it tells us that Jesus could do no mighty work there and it makes the staggering statement by saying, and Jesus marveled. He stood amazed because of their unbelief. Now the truth is, I've read this story so many times in my life, but until recently when I read this text, in my mind, Jesus was walking the streets. He's just in the city of Nazareth, but until some time ago, I realized that he isn't just in the city. He isn't just in the, the local place where the church is, but Jesus is in the church, and Jesus is preaching in the church, but the Bible tells us he could do no mighty work there. Jesus went to church ready to work but even though he was in the house it became irrelevant because there was a spirit of unbelief that dominated and dictated the atmosphere look at what they say when Jesus begins to preach is this not the carpenter is this not the son of Mary, the brother of James? The congregation of Nazareth only view Jesus as a carpenter but not the Christ their perception of Jesus was only as the son of Mary, but not the son of God. And the curse of Nazareth is that they rejected his deity because of his humanity. They failed to realize they were standing in the midst of an eternal God. But because of unbelief, they missed out on their visitation. Jesus went to church ready to work. He went to church ready to move. But he was unable to do so because of unbelief. I am convinced every time God comes into one of our services, he desires to do nothing less than a mighty work. It's amazing that those two words, mighty work, come together in the Greek and they produce the Greek word dunamis, which we are familiar with because dunamis is power. It's the word that Jesus says we shall receive power or dunamis after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But there's a second connotation that we need to grab a hold of tonight because it also renders a supernatural display of God's power. And I believe that's exactly what God wants to do every time he comes 
comes to church. You may think it's just the first night of revival. You may think it's just a Friday night service. But there's a God in our midst who's ready to put his power on display for somebody. He wants somebody to know I've got the ability. I want to put my power on display. That's what he wants to do every time we come to church. Because God doesn't take services off. Now we apostolics can be truthful tonight and say we've slid through a few services here and there. There's been times we've come to church and we've had the mindset, well, let's just get to the next service. Let's get to Sunday. Let's get to Sunday night. Sunday night's when we apostolics go crazy. But understand this about God. God's in this house and he's not looking at it as an ordinary service. He's in this house and he's looking for somebody he can heal. I said God's in this house and he's looking for prayers he can answer and situations he can turn around. Every time God comes to church, he's ready to display how powerful he is. But the Bible says he went to church ready to work. But what he wanted to do in the church house was negated because unbelief was present. It's amazing that unbelief in that text simply meant that there was an absence of faith in the house. So wrap your mind around what's going on. Jesus goes to church ready to work. Jesus is going through the doors with a mindset. I'm about to save this marriage. I'm about to answer this prayer. I'm about to heal this body. But when Jesus steps into the sanctuary, there was no faith whatsoever to be found. He stood in their midst, but nobody had faith. And so the very thing Jesus went to church to do became the very thing Jesus was unable to do. Because if there is an atmosphere, if there is an environment that almost renders God powerless, it is an atmosphere that is void of faith I've come to learn this about unbelief it comes with an expensive price tag unbelief will cost us the very thing God came to church to give us tonight Unbelief will cost somebody their healing. Unbelief will cost somebody their direction. Unbelief will cost somebody their miracle. That's how we can come to church and be in God's presence. But lead the same way. Because if there's no faith in my life, then God cannot give me what God wants to give me. I'm telling somebody that is the danger. And that is what happens if there's no faith in the house. I would remind us, that it's an element of unbelief that finds its way in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is a spirit that we at the church has to reckon with probably more than any other spirit that we've got to deal with. It is a spirit that spans two covenants. I would remind us it was a spirit of unbelief that caused Israel to wander 40 more years in the wilderness even though the land was theirs to take. It was unbelief that rendered nine disciples unable to cast the devil out of a boy even though they had the power and the authority to do so. Unbelief takes from us the promises of God and it negates the ability that God has given us. That's the danger of unbelief. The tragedy of the text is that if anybody should have had faith, it should have been the people of Nazareth. Because he was Jesus of Nazareth. He walked down their streets every day. 
He had a carpenter shop in the city. No doubt they had heard, probably even seen the miracles that Jesus was able to do. And so Jesus goes among his own people. But when he stands among his own people, there is no faith in the house. And I believe that's why the Bible says he marveled. You mean you've seen what I can do? You mean you've heard what I'm able to accomplish and yet there is no faith in the house? Can I just tell somebody in this room, the only thing that's going to stop God from working in this house is my lack of faith. Stop worrying about the devil. Stop worrying about hell because hell cannot hinder you from getting what God wants to give you in this house. It doesn't matter how many forces come with the devil himself. He cannot control nor dictate God's power from coming to where you are. But I will tell us what hell cannot do and what the devil cannot do. My lack of faith can do. Because if there is no faith, then God is restricted from working. It's eye-opening to know that I have the ability to do to God what hell cannot do. Jesus made the statement, the gates of hell shall not, they will not, and they never will prevail. Understand that was an eternal statement he was making. He wasn't talking about from this moment forward. No, uh, he was reaching all the way back in the garden uh, when the serpent tried to beguile Eve. Uh, but Jesus said even then, uh, he shall not, uh, he has not, shall not, and never will prevail. Uh, I've come to tell us hell can't stop God. Uh, the devil cannot stop God. Uh, but my lack of faith can stop God. Uh, I'm telling somebody in this house, uh, the only thing that's going to stop you from getting your miracle uh, is your lack of faith. Uh, it's unbelief. Uh, it can cost us uh, what God is ready to give us. Oh, but the good news is I haven't come to preach about unbelief. I spent almost eight minutes of my sermon telling you what can and will happen if unbelief is in the house. I've come to tell us the first time Jesus marveled. The first time Jesus stood amazed was when he went among his own people and there was no faith in the house. But let's look at the second time Jesus marveled. Because it's found in Luke chapter 7. We know the story very well. Jesus now is in a city called Capernaum. And a certain centurion finds his servant at the point of death. And when the centurion hears that Jesus has come, he goes and tells Jesus about his servant. Jesus replies, I'll come and I'll heal your servant. But the centurion says, no, Lord, if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. This man has a revelation. He says, I'm a man of authority. I tell people to go and they do it. I tell people to stay and they stay. I tell people to come and they come. He says, I am a man that understands the authority that I speak. And he says, I think you operate by the same authority. He says, Jesus, your presence is not needed. If you'll just speak the word, there's going to be a fulfillment that comes on the other side of town. And the Bible says when Jesus heard these things, he marveled. He stood amazed and said, I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. But let's take it a step further. I don't believe it was just his faith 
that caused Jesus to stand amazed because the truth is anybody can have faith when they're on top of the world. Anybody can come to revival service on a Friday night when all the prayers are answered and all the bills are paid and all the diagnoses have come back good and everything's working out perfectly at home. That's easy to have faith in those scenarios, but I've come to tell us it wasn't just his faith, but it was the timing of his faith. His servant is about to die. He has to leave a situation that's hopeless, that's lifeless, that's beyond his control, but even in spite of all of that, He still had faith for a miracle. Regardless of the timing... And so I've come on a Friday night, uh, the first service of this revival, uh, to preach to some people. Uh, this is my first time being here. Uh, you don't know me, I don't know you, uh, but because we're human, uh, every one of us have needs. Uh, and there may be people in this house, uh, you may be looking at something that's hopeless. Uh, it may not look promising, uh, but I've come to tell somebody, uh, if you can bring God your faith, uh, regardless of the timing, uh, he's about to stop, uh, he's about to work, uh, because if anything stops God, uh, it's so Somebody who can have faith regardless of the timing or the circumstance. So can you have faith regardless of what's going on right now? Can you have faith regardless of the uncertainties? Can you have faith regardless of the unknowns? Can you have faith regardless of God not moving yet? I've come to tell somebody if God has a weakness, it's for those who can come to him with faith regardless of what's not right and what's going wrong. If God's going to work in this house, it's going to be for somebody who can muster up faith that says, I don't know how it's going to end, but here's my faith. I don't have all the answers, but here's my faith. And the Bible says Jesus marveled. Then the Bible says, in the same hour he believed, his servant was made whole. Because right now faith always activates a right now God. You see, the good thing about God is he's not going to wait until tomorrow night to do it. The Bible says the same hour he believed. So that tells me in this house, in this very service, in this very altar call, God can respond to somebody's faith that before you get home, everything's turned around in your favor. Everything's resolved. I'm telling somebody, God, is it going to take a long time to work? But if somebody can bring him now faith, he's about to work right now. He's about to put his power on display for somebody because that's the kind of of God that he is I don't know how long that centurion had to walk back to his house but in my imagination maybe it took an hour maybe it took longer than an hour he leaves the house with his servant almost dead but this is how my mind works by the time he gets back home his servants walking around in perfect health because the Bible says in the same hour. And how many times do we come to church and we try to leave all the problems at home? 
We try to leave all the dysfunction at the house. We try to leave all the issues under the roof that we live in. But I'm telling somebody in this house, it doesn't matter what you may have left to come to church to. God can work in this house, in this altar call. And before you get back in your driveway, everything can be resolved. Everything can be settled. Everything can be taken care of. Because in the same hour that faith is involved, it's in that hour that God is able to work. If an atmosphere with no faith shuts God down, just imagine what an atmosphere full of faith is going to do right here in the next 15 to 20 minutes. I've come to tell us we have a choice to make right now before we dismiss and go home. Who are we going to represent in this service? Because every time we come to church, we represent one of two people. We represent those in Nazareth who had no faith, or we represent the centurion who has faith. And every time we come through those doors and every time we walk out of those doors, we've caused God to marvel one way or the other. It is a gospel irony that the only person recorded in the gospels whose faith made Jesus marvel was a Roman soldier. See, not only is his servant almost dead, not only is he working against that timing, but this man is a Gentile. There's no access to God's power at this moment. So not only is this servant about to die, he has no avenue for a miracle. There's been no Calvary. There's been no nails and hands and feet. The root hasn't been grafted in yet. The only covenant available for anybody is for the Jews because Jesus said, I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. I've come among my own people. So all of this is working against him. His servant's about to die. There's no avenue to God's power. Everything's working against him. But in spite of all of that, he still takes his faith to where Jesus is. And I believe that's why the Bible says Jesus marked and said you mean to believe me you believe even when my power is not available which makes me ask the question can we come to Jesus when it feels like he's turned his back on us can we still bring him our faith even when it feels like his hand isn't working and his power is not flowing? How many times have we come to church and we believe in God for a miracle but God hasn't done it? But then those moments, that's when faith is challenged. I'm telling somebody in this house, can you muster up the gift of faith that God has given to every man? Because I'm telling somebody in this house, God cannot turn somebody away that can believe for a miracle even when their back's against the wall. He's in the house, and he will marvel in one facet or another. I've come to tell us, I don't know what you come to church for tonight. I don't know if you came to revival just to say, well, I went to revival. I don't know if you came tonight because you desperately need God to do something in your life. But I'm telling somebody that the God who spoke the world into existence is in our midst right now. And I've come to tell us every time God comes to church, he's ready to put his power on display. So knowing that God is able to work, God is able to let the supernatural flow, God is able to let the miraculous work, but we've got to make up our mind. 
Either I've got unbelief or I've got faith because there's no gray areas or blurred lines with God. You either don't believe or you do. And the thing is, they both make him marvel. But the outcomes are completely opposite. He looks for faith. When the Son of Man returns to the earth, he's going to be looking for one thing. Will I find faith on the earth? And Brother McGee, I believe every time he comes into our services, I'm looking for somebody that can have faith. Can I tell somebody it's a whole lot easier to get a miracle than what we make it out to be? Because the only thing God requires is faith. He that cometh to me must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. In fact, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Can I tell somebody it's a whole lot easier to get God to work than what we think? God said, if you can just bring me your faith. Regardless of how small or big it is. Because I've given to every man the measure of faith. That tells me every person in this house when you were born, God gave you the ability to believe him for anything. He's give, I feel my help right now to tell somebody, you've got more faith than what you believe you've got. Because whenever a person is born, God gives you the ability to believe him for anything. But you've got to exercise and initiate the faith that God has given you. And when that Faith goes into action. God is ready to work. Why is it we can have faith for God to fill us with the Holy Ghost? But it's so hard to believe Him for a miracle. And I'm away from my notes right now, but here we are. We lift our hands and we believe God can forgive us of our sins and he can. We believe God can pull us up out of the junk we're in and he can. We believe God can fill us with his spirit. He can regenerate a fallen sinful nature and he can and he's still doing it. Why is it that God can pick us up out of sin, put us in the church, but when all of that happens, we just can't believe him to work. He can fill the rottenness center with the Holy Ghost, but that same man cannot believe him to take care of his finances. The bigger miracle is getting somebody out of sin. And if you're in this house tonight, you don't have the Holy Ghost, God can fill you uh, with the Holy Ghost tonight. Uh, but if you're in this house and you do have the Holy Ghost, uh, then you've got everything that you need uh, in order for God to be released. Uh, but you've got to understand, uh, it's either going to be our unbelief or our faith. He marvels at faith regardless of what the timing may have. I'm talking about a kind of faith that causes Abraham to believe for a boy even when he's 99 years old. I'm talking about the kind of faith that causes Naaman a leper to dip seven times in a muddy river. I'm talking about the kind of faith that makes a lady with an issue of blood push her way through the crowd and get a hold of his garment. I'm talking about a faith that causes men to cut a hole in the roof just to get their friend to where Jesus is. Because if God is going to work for anybody, it's going to be those that force the issue who say, you know what? It may not be ideal. My back may be against the wall. But here's my faith. And the common denominator through it all is somebody had to have faith, regardless of the right now. Why don't you lift your hands all over this house? 
Why don't you allow the gift of faith to start working right now? Come on, the spirit of unbelief has to go. Spirit of unbelief cannot exist here any longer. Come on, I don't know who I'm talking to, but it's been hard to believe God's going to do it. It's been hard to believe that God's going to work, but I'm telling somebody in the house, all you need is to have faith, put it into action, believe that God is able to turn the family situation around, believe that God is able to work in your job situation, believe that God is able to do anything that you may ask or think of. You see, the voice of unbelief says it won't happen. But faith says it is going to happen. The spirit of unbelief says God's not going to do it. But the gift of faith says God is going to do it. The spirit of unbelief says God's not going to give a miracle. But faith says a miracle is about to be established in this house right now. You see, the spirit of unbelief says God will not heal. But faith says virtue is about to flow. Unbelief says God won't fill me tonight with the Holy Ghost. But faith says God's about to allow cloven tongues to set upon me. I'm telling somebody in this room, you've got to shut out the voice of unbelief and take the measure of faith that God has given to you. Lazarus has died. The Bible says four days have passed. Jesus finally decides to go where Lazarus has been buried. Mary and Martha meet him. One of them scolds Jesus because she says, Lord, if you were here yesterday, he would have lived. And the other one says, Lord, I know he'll live again in the future. He'll live again in the resurrection. She has faith for what could happen. But nobody had faith for that present moment. And how many times do we come to church? And we have God suspended between what he didn't do yesterday and what he may just do tomorrow. But my Bible says now faith is. Not yesterday and not tomorrow. I'm telling somebody right now that the God of heaven can reach his hand down in this room and power can begin to flow. And all God is looking for is for somebody who has right now faith. Forget about what happened yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. And bring your faith to him now because there's a God who will be released if you can bring faith. Come on, stand all over the house right now and lift your hands all over the room. Come on, as your hands are lifted, why don't you allow the gift of faith to settle in this room right now? If the Lord marvels at my faith, then I'm able to marvel at what he's able to do. Two things in your Bible made God marvel. Those who had faith when it wasn't expected and those who didn't have faith when it was expected. They both caused him to marvel. Don't be distracted by what's going wrong. Because 
Because if we're not careful, we can become so distracted on what's going wrong that we can't see the possibilities of what God is able to do and make it right. I told you hell can't stop God. But I'm going to tell you hell uses the spirit of unbelief to cause us to be distracted. Hell works by distraction. And if we are not careful, we will become so distracted at our circumstance. We will become so distracted at what's going wrong and what not hasn't happened that we can allow faith to walk out and unbelief is able to be settled in. God, I feel this right now in the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to quit. Hang on to me. Peter, James, and John are on top of the mountain of transfiguration. The Bible says Moses and Elijah appear also. And Peter's like, man, this is a pretty cool Sunday night service. Let's just stay here. Let's just build some tabernacles and we'll just stay right here at this spiritual climate. But if you put the timelines together, while Peter, James, and John are seeing all of these great things, there's nine disciples down in the city dealing with a boy that's demon-possessed. If you think about water, you automatically think about Moses. If you think about fire, you automatically think about Elijah. Because Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. And Elijah goes out in a chariot of fire. In fact, he calls fire down from heaven. And so while this miraculous encounter is going on, water, fire, there's a demon-possessed boy throwing himself in water and fire. Because even in the midst of a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost, hell is always going to try to distract Jesus and the three disciples come off the mountain, ask the question, why couldn't you cast him out? Or the disciples ask, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said, because your unbelief. And then Jesus goes into fasting, but the, the, the real context of the scripture is the spirit of unbelief Jesus is dealing with. I believe that the disciples, they had the ability to cast the devil out. Jesus gave them authority and power over all unclean spirits. But yet, even though they had the ability to take care of it, they were unable to take care of it. I believe they were so distracted at what that boy was doing, and they saw how bad the circumstance was, that they allowed unbelief to creep out, or faith to walk out and unbelief to walk in. See, because that's how hell operates. I'm not preaching about demon possession, but let me make my point. If you've ever been around somebody that's been under the oppressive spirits of hell, what do they always do? They always make a scene. I've been in service. They've knocked chairs over. They flip pews. They've thrown people that were twice their size. And what happens, Brother McGee, when this is going on? The church stops praying, and the church starts watching because he's trying to be a distraction. I feel my Holy Ghost right now. Because hell is smart enough to know I cannot stay where there's a united body praying in the Holy Ghost. 
So hell says, I've got a cause of disruptance. I've got a cause of distraction. And nine out of ten times, the church stops praying. And the church is so distracted at what hell is doing that faith walks out and unbelief walks in. I'm telling somebody in this house, we've got to make up our mind. I'm not going to be distracted at how bad it is. I'm not going to allow faith to walk out and unbelief to take root. God can turn it around. God can change it. God can solve it. If faith is found even at the wrong time. Lift your hands right now and pray in the Holy Ghost. I feel the depth of God's presence right now moving among us. Come on, I wonder if we can step out of our pews right now. I don't know what the need may be. Don't hesitate. Come on, why don't you step out in faith right now? It may be family. It may be financial. It may be spiritual, emotional. Come on, it may be physical. You need to step out of your pew right now and throw your hands in the air and get your eyes on the one who's able to take care of it. Let your faith rise right now to a crescendo that releases the miraculous and the supernatural. Come on, even right now, hell's trying to get us to focus on what's wrong and what hasn't happened yet and what's not going right. Come on, that was the thing that happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. They were distracted by the one tree they couldn't touch. And I'm telling us, even in the Garden of Eden, there were distractions that existed in this house. Don't allow your faith to become distracted. Let your faith rise so God is able to work. Come on, God is able to save the lost loved ones that you've been believing for. God is able to bring back the backsliders. God is able to bring back the prodigals. God is able to save those that were here last year, but they're not here now. God is able to touch your body. God is able to touch your nerves. God is able to heal. God is able to make a way. Because if God works, it's always for those who have faith. Come on, as they prepare to play, sing whatever they want to do. Come on, the gift of faith is in this house right now. Somebody ought to have a breakthrough in your faith right now. Come on, put your eyes on God right now. Get your eyes off the situation. Get your eyes off the circumstance. And let your faith rise so he's able to work. Come on, believe God for your miracle. Believe God for your healing. Believe God to answer the prayers. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost tonight, all you've got to do is repent and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Whatever you need, He's here. Whatever you need, He's able to do it. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.